This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Look at us, Tanner. A couple of Look old men doing their, doing their podcast at noon on a Saturday. Because one of us had diarrhea. Okay, great. When we were supposed to record on Thursday. Okay. Do you want it to say me. which one it was? Okay. It was great. me. I was very ill on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. uh, you were so ill that I believed you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what sucked is I had still had to go into work that day. Oof. That sounds So I was nasty. just at work, but like insanely sick and barfing and pooping my guts out all day. Nice. I have a disease, which is that I don't believe people when they're sick. <laughs> it's because you never get sick. Yeah. It's because you're like the healthiest person in the world. Yeah. And I just project it onto everyone. It's like, oh, all right. Well, no, it's fine. If you don't want to record, that's fine. <laughs> I think like literally in the, in the several years I've known you, 10 years <laughs> I've known you, I've only seen you sick like maybe three times. Yeah, it's pretty rare. It's insane. Yeah, I'm very healthy. Um, and so is everyone else. They're just lying about it. <laughs> uh, we read a book, uh-huh. Tanner. I was thinking maybe we could kind of dive into it. It was fucking great, man. I don't know what's no, happening it these late. It was boring. It was Fuck boring. you. It was a bad, boring book. Fuck you. You're a bad, boring reader of mm. books. Mm. No. It was good. It was interesting. There's, it was not it's that like, interesting. It was Marianne whining about how she's like a coward. Wow. For, for 186 pages. <laughs> Have you ever read a Marianne book before, Dan? Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> That's what she does. In the annals of Marianne history, it was like <laughs> another notch in the bedpost of like, Marianne's a coward. Yeah, she's a coward in very specific and surprising ways this week. She's regressed. Yeah. She's like forgotten all of her. Oh, you know what? It, oh, Jack. Yeah. It's probably a dark universe thing. It's probably uh, a darkest timeline thing. Yeah. Because Marianne saved the day once. Yes. When she, what did she do? She saved someone from some calamity. Well, she saved the babysitter's club from, it, the saves the day is an interesting text because it, it, it has a bivalency to it, um, where saves the day refers to saving the, the metaphorical day of the babysitter's club itself, which had kind of fallen apart, the biggest fight they'd ever had at the time. And right. also she saves the day um, in a more literal sense when she uh, calls the ambulance for a baby who has, I think it's Prezioso, who has a high fever. Oh, right, um, right, right, and, right. You know, jumps into action. So this is not new territory for her, but yet she has regressed to this like place of cowardice once again. Yeah, and I think we've talked about in this action. before in the context of the dark universe, where um, each book in the dark timeline, Baby Nation, new baby bees, uh, we're not going to tell you why you're bees, but we will briefly explain the t- dark timeline. Yeah. Basically, the Babysitter's Club series resets at number 100, Christie's worst idea, which parallels number one, Christie's great idea. But it's in a dark universe that happens contemporaneously, where every- up is down, left is right. Marianne's a coward again. But I think what we've talked about before is that each book in the dark timeline has a parallel. Mm-hmm. In the Bright Universe, starring Will Smith, <coughs> starring and, Joel Will Smith and Joel Edgerton. 
Yep, Netflix and original. Netflix original series. Check it out if you haven't. It's a really good one. Um, it's not a series, Jack. It's a movie. It's a Netflix <laughs> original motion picture. Okay. Okay. I was just trying to preempt you. You've seen it. I know you've seen it. <laughs> We're not going to get into it. You know it's a movie not. and not a series. <laughs> but it's not necessarily linear. So uh, book 10 is not necessarily parallel with book 110. So I think that this is the parallel book. Marianne to the Rescue is the book we're talking about this week. And Uh Marianne Saves the Day is an obvious parallel um, in the Bright Universe starring Will Smith and Joel Edgerton. Mm. I would like to introduce the show. Please proceed. Are you sure you're ready for it? Because it's going to involve you. I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be, Jack. I'm going to need you. It's like like an audience participation thing. Are you aware or have you been aware that I think of you as the audience? <laughs> I I assumed you always thought of Baby Nation as the audience. But yeah. No. It actually makes a lot of sense if you think you're just like presenting something to me every week. Yeah, that's why I get so upset when you don't listen to my descriptions. And I'm like the idiot peanut gallery. Who like <laughs> yeah. Not only doesn't get it, but like refuses to get it. That's why I'm constantly explaining stuff we've been over like a thousand fucking times, <laughs> like the darkest universe. <laughs> Uh, oh. uh, I don't get it. <laughs> hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 I'm your host, Jack Shepard. I'm your host, fuck, Tanner Greenring. God damn it. This is a podcast where we talk about the classic novels of The Hand That Shakes. For context, if you don't know who that is, we're talking about the princess of the Prince of Towns, Saint Annabelle Matthews Martin, Stormborn Soul Skinner, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bats. She is, of course, the first of her name and the last of her kind, and I would be remiss if I did not point out that she is the last hope for humankind. This week, we are talking about her classic novel, Marianne to the Rescue. Marianne to the Rescue, yep. Who's that? Did you notice? Yeah, it's the baby. Did you notice um, her happy reading section where she refers to some of her epithets and some of the uh, long-running theories that we have had now proven about the Babysitter's Club? Only sort of. I did notice that she ended the happy reading section with happy reading. Yeah, happy. She stopped doing the exclamation point a long time ago. It's been really. It's been. I mean, this weeks. was a grim book. This was a grim book. This There's is a, a lot dark of like book. brushes with death in this book. At least two. Yeah. Um, Oh, there are multiple brushes with death. I want to get into that, but let me read you this passage from the happy reading real fast while I have it up. In Marianne to the Rescue, Marianne must deal with an unexpected emergency. It occurs to me this is a way better description than either of us are going to do, but anyway, (laughs) moving on. You're putting the cart before the horse a little bit. You don't know what my description is going to be like. I have a pretty good sense at this stage. In Marianne to the Rescue, Marianne must deal with an unexpected emergency. With an accident. And that's just the thing about accidents. They're unexpected. Thanks, Anne. (laughs) (laughs) You never know when one is going to happen. Or, you know what? Can I read this in a slightly more ominous tone? No, I think Anne is is treating us like you treat me. <laughs> That's possible. Like or some else kind she's... of invalid idiot who's just like, uh, it's just so, hey, guys, uh, so, so th- an, an accident is, um, <laughs> it's something unexpected and it's, you just don't know what, when it's going to happen. That's the thing about accidents. <laughs> Let me read this in a more ominous tone because I always read these as being d- directed directly at me. And if you read it uh, with a slightly different inflection, it's scary as hell. In Marianne to the Rescue, Marianne must deal with an unexpected emergency, with an accident. And that's just the thing about accidents. They're unexpected. You never know 
when one is going to happen or what is going to happen. Happy reading. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the next part, which is what I was leading up to. When I was a babysitter, I dealt with typical emergencies, bee stings, Uh skinned knees, (laughs) and so forth. And. And. <laughs> we you get sure, it. Anne? Are you sure you want to do this, Anne? Are yeah. You sure you want to dance this dance with us, Anne? Anne Matthews Martin, Bee Stung, Bee Stung, Soul Skinner, knee or skinner. in those early days, just a knee skinner. She graduated. She had to start somewhere. <laughs> you say it starts with knees, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> knee play. Good. We're off to a good start. Tanner, we're off to a great start, but I would like, I would love to continue. She also goes on to say that, and this is grisly, and I want to know more. I have like a morbid curiosity. A charge got his foot caught in the spokes of a moving bike. It was gross, but I had to deal with it. She just really puts that image in your imagination. She like leaves it up to you to like, in what way was it gross? How was and it in gross? what way did she deal with it? Yeah, she shot him. Just it's yeah. like putting down a horse. She's like, oh, I forgot my Polaroid camera. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's and, never gonna recover. And we love you. And this is I don't tell me if this is going too far, Tanner. Um, but yep. we kiss you as well. I, and, I kiss you. Yeah. yeah, I love you, and I kiss you, and. And we you know, know you're listening. Kiss? Who? The sweet feet of sweet Peter Larangis. Sweet Pete. Sweet Pete. Yes, that's right, Baby Nation. We were swimming deep in a deep, deep sea of Sweet Pete's sweet, sweet treats with his sweet feet this week. Um, we're gonna get into that, but first, Baby Nation and Tanner Greenring are Baby Nation and Tanner Greenring a special treat this week. Uh oh. For me? For all of us, we're gonna describe this oh. novel twice. That's not special. That's boring. Not once, but twice. Baby Nation. Fine. Let's just get it out of the way. And first, may I introduce your favorite co-host of the Babysitter's Club, Club Jack Alexander Shepard. I see. Um, May I describe this novel, Tanner? Please. Thank you. Cue up the music, please. It's cute. Marianne Spear is a normal girl in a normal town with a normal boyfriend living a normal life. The only thing that sets her apart is the simple, undeniable, and decidedly inconvenient fact that death stalks her at every turn. A man chokes at an airport where she's waiting for her sister. A boy's eyes roll back in his head as he convulses in front of her. A child sinks to the bottom of the pool where she's swimming with friends. And to make matters worse, Her longtime boyfriend is thinking about packing up and leaving town without her. Marianne Spear is a normal girl living a normal life. But if she can't find a way to stop people dying wherever she happens to be, it's going to be the death of her. Marianne to the rescue. Thank you, Jack. That was so great. Thank you so much. Yay, Uh, you did a good job. Oh, I really liked it. Loved it. Mm -hmm. One thing you mentioned. Mm Mm-hmm. In that run of sentences, was mm-hmm. Logan moving away? You know how you always talking about Pete's symphonic structure. Mm-hmm. Somebody called me out for that. Some some music nerds in the Baby Nation Facebook group were like, uh, "Actually, it's more like a sonata." 
Like uh, it feels more like a fugue. What you're what you're describing? <laughs> you also had Honestly, some other name for it. It was like coming to the quick. Right? Yeah, it's like a helix. It's like a helix, right? Yeah. This he- helictical is that a word? Sure, man. This helictical uh, structure to Pete's books, <laughs> where the A plot and the B plot and the C plot all kind of like weave and interconnect and play off of one another in this beautiful way. That was not the case this week. <laughs> no. The, okay. Pete, Pete had three distinct plots and was yeah. just like, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's One third it's, of the book is going to be about Marianne's cowardice. One third is going to be about Logan going away to camp. Yeah. And one third is going to be about the babies of Stony Brook learning about first aid. Yep. All three of those beautiful strands of the helix come together when Marianne learns how to transcend her cowardice in a moment of crisis and save both her boyfriend and the babies with her first aid and herself from her own cowardice. So it's, it's a little bit like modern art where there's this dissonance, this like upsetting dissonance. Right. Where like everything sounds like... It hurts your ears, and you're like, ah, oh, like, what is this? I don't like the sound of this. But then, like, slowly over the course of time, it starts to come together. And then, like, right at the end, all of these dissonant melodies kind of, like, sync up and overlap in this beautiful way. And you're like, oh, this is, like, the gratification I've been waiting for this it's entire incredible. time. It's incredible. It's um, it might, it's In some ways, it's a little bit like a Philip Glass piece. Oh, sure. Love so The Philip use Glass. of phasing where the different strands of the melody are kind of out of time with each other. Did you uh, hear they're doing a standalone Philip Glass movie? M. Night Shyamalan is doing a standalone Philip Glass movie. And the the reveal is that it was... It's called Glass. Terry Riley all along. (laughs) That's a minimalism joke. (laughs) Wait, it was Steve Reich all along? (laughs) Baby Nation, I certainly got it. (laughs) It wasn't Philip Glass at all. There's the other slightly less famous minimalist composer. <laughs> Brian Eno. Oh, we have fun. Tanner. Does Brian Eno count? Or no, probably not. Um, no, no, no. Ambient. It's a different. No, okay, we're getting we're getting beside the point. Look, I think that that Pete was trying to do something, and maybe it went over your head. Is the point? It was interesting. There's a lot of death. Mm. There's a lot of almost every subplot had death. Yeah. I guess the Logan subplot didn't. Right? Well, there there are these fucking portents too. Jesus, we should, should we get into these portents? Do you do you read the passage with Marianne's portentous dream, which is either some dark timeline shit or just pointing to how this is all going to end? Um, I I obviously did, but would you like for me to read it? Remind me. I had been dreading Tuesday morning for four whole days. I could hardly sleep the night before. I kept dreaming about a body being wheeled down a long, white corridor. Somehow, in my dream, I was hovering over the body. Then I zoomed in close to realize it was me. That's Marianne's fucking nightmare dream. Marianne is terrified of death. A lot of characters in this book are terrified. She's terrified of death. She's terrified of the death of the self. This is the thing. I think that what's going on is Marianne is terrified of change. Right? She lost her mother. She She's afraid of her world changing around her. And she sees change, any kind of serious change, as the death of herself. I think that's what the arc is of all Marianne books. is her, her confronting the inevitable death of herself in the form of change and ideally growing. She's got to get past those fucking pigtails, right? I'm worried that this is going to be a formative event. And she says at one point, as Sharon has her arms 
wrapped around a choking man in the airport. It's the summertime. Dawn is coming back for the summer. They're all going to the airport to pick up Dawn. They're waiting for her delayed flight. A man starts choking in the food court. Sharon Spear runs over, does the Heimlich maneuver on the man. What an opening, Pete. What a fucking classic opening. Sharon was out of her chair like a shot. He's pointing to his throat, she blurted out. She raced across the room, practically colliding with a busboy. The man sank to his knees. His kids were frozen in total shock. I am watching someone die. (laughs) The words sneaked into my brain. I felt helpless, dizzy. My throat was like sandpaper. My vision blurred. I could feel the blood rushing from my head. So maybe that's why she's so afraid of death is because she likes it. She likes it. I think she likes it. Oh, boy. Man, The Fire at Mary Ann's House has taken on this like outsized significance to me. It's the final book in the Babysitter's Club series, Baby Nation. It's always had outsized significance to you, but now it's just like it's compounding. And now I think she's fucking setting these fires, man. Mm. For sure. For sure. For sure. Mary Ann Spear. Uh, what a complex character, an interesting character, somebody who is afraid of change and sees it as a little death. <laughs> I see what you did. What? <laughs> Tanner, Baby Nation, like that's what French okay. people call orgasms. Booyah! Great. Great. Tanner, would you like to describe this novel for us? Oh, have I not? No. Huh. To make things interesting, I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock that I happen to have here. During those 60 seconds, I would like for you to describe every single thing that happens in this novel. Are you ready? I'm going to begin now. Okay, Dawn is coming back for the summer. They're at the airport. They're waiting for her. A man chokes. Sharon saves his life with the Heimlich Maneuver. The girls all decide that they want to learn the Heimlich Maneuver. They take a class at Stony Brook Community School taught by a woman called Shelly Golden. Shelly, who uh, teaches them how to do Heimlich Maneuver and mouth-to-mouth and all sorts of stuff. Marianne decides that it's what is going to make her brave because she really froze up when Sharon saved the Heimlich man's life at the airport. Meanwhile, Logan has received word from his dad. who's He wants Logan to go to a boys' school in New Hampshire, in the woods of New Hampshire. Logan doesn't want to go. Marianne doesn't want to go. Uh, doesn't want him to go um gosh 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 oh they teach all the kids about fire safety and all this stuff a little boy drowns one of the sioux boys drowns in the in the pools at the corman's house marianne fishes him out and gives him uh mouth to mouth and he she saves his life and and then logan talks to his dad and he doesn't have to go to boarding school and time yeah the boarding school plot is ostensibly the a plot it's really shoehorned in there though but it's kind of shoehorned. Well, I don't want to. I'm unlike you, Tanner. I don't want yeah. to malign the great, sweet Peter Larangis, who fucking knows what he's doing. At I'm not this maligning point, Pete. And has I'm not maligning of Pete. Doubt, I think frankly. Pete's a brilliant writer and a gifted mind. I think it's safe to one say one of the that most gifted minds of, of the modern age. Yes, but the the Logan private school thing was a little bit shoehorned in there. I think that it is safe to say at this point that if you feel that there is something wrong with the way pete Lorangis constructed a narrative right you didn't fucking get it there's you didn't get what me. he was doing there's something wrong with you right i get so that. i if you could rephrase that i maybe my, take another run with my limited intellect yeah i was unable to comprehend right the complexities of what pete was attempting to do and succeeded the, in doing with what pete was attempting to do and succeeded in doing yes. with the private school subplot of this book. Okay. Now could you uh, hit your forehead with your palm and say, stupid, stupid, 
Stupid. stupid. <laughs> I'm wearing a hat, so it, wasn't <laughs> it was fun to watch. <laughs> yes, I agree. You did not fully understand this novel. Um, but we we're talking about Pete. Let's talk about Pete, man. Let's do. We've got a segment for it. It's called the Larangus Moment. Do you have? I anything? know it. I know it. Do you want to sing a song? No, I don't have anything. I don't have anything okay. prepared. Do you want me to you, go find something? Do no, you have you, something? Do you want your old Uncle Jacko to sing a song? Do you have something on deck? Yeah, I got something. This is ooh, Baby Nation, a rare treat. <laughs> yeah, Jack with his beautiful angelic pipes is gonna sing us a, a tune. <laughs> Actually, really nervous. <laughs> Jack, Jack, Jack. It's just me. It's just me. You just have to sing to me. Yeah, you can do this. You've got a beautiful voice. I've heard it. Okay, it's a little you. You tend to slip into uh, Eddie Vedder quite a bit, but. Just go with <clears> that. Use that. No, I need use that um, energy. You want me to use Eddie Vedder? Because I need actually need uh, Adam Duritt. <laughs> <laughs> no, use that energy instead. Use Adam Duritz. <laughs> it's a grandest <laughs> moment, and there's reason to believe. Why are you doing it as Kermit the Frog? <sighs> You're supposed to be doing you. it as Adam Duritz. <laughs> Mr. Jones. There we go. Yep. It's a Lorenzo's moment, and there's reason. <laughs> You're really making it hard for me. You're supposed to be supportive. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm supporting you. You're supposed supporting to be supportive. You. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great I job. I never make fun of you when you sing. I know, but that's because I have a beautiful voice. It's a Lorenzo's moment, and there's reason to believe. Maybe this book will be better than the last. I can't remember all the times we were so nipple deep in your sweet sea. Oh, Pete, moments, how they pass. Beautiful. That, Baby Nation, is Woo. this week's Laurentius Moment theme song set to the tune of Long December by The Counting Crows and submitted by Baby B, Debbie Lozano, at Debbie Lozano3 on Twitter. Thank you for that much. Thank, Thank you, you for Debbie. That submission, Debbie. We've met Debbie. She was very nice. You are very nice. Thank you. Tanner, would you like to explain what a Larangus moment is? Larangus moment is the moment in a Pete Larangus penned book that we realized that the book could not have been written by anyone but sweet Peter Larangus because mm. of its humor and wit. Why don't you tell me your Larangus moment this week, Tanner Greenring, oh, right now? Let's see. If in I this moment. One. Hello. I'm Shelly Golden, announced the instructor. Hello, I'm Alan Gray, chirped Alan. <laughs> I'm Pete Black, said Pete. And I'm little boy Blue, muttered <laughs> Irv. Well, they thought that was the funniest exchange ever spoken, because it is. They all have color <laughs> names. They were laughing so hard, they sounded like braying mules. Shelly Golden was fixing on the three boys with a hard stare. Then she smiled slyly and cleared her throat. You know, she said, I recommend you boys apply your gray matter to this course because someday when one of you is black and blue, you'll all be sorry you missed a golden opportunity. Wow. Pete. Knocked Holy it out of the park shit. with that one, Pete. Who was the poet who wrote uh, Wind Hover? What? It's like a Gerard Manley Hopkins poem. <laughs> okay. Is it all about colors? No, but it's just like the wordplay and like the the assonance and the alliteration and the the weaving in and out of different colors. Yeah. 
It is kind of fucked up that they keep introducing all these characters with color names. I think yeah. Irv Hirsch might be a, a Veilwalker. Okay. Irv Hirsch recognizes how ludicrous it is that there's someone called gray, black, and golden all in one room together. Well, and we know that Irv Hirsch in the darkest timeline is the prank king of the seventh grade, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't he? Stupid prank king. Right, which in the bright timeline starring Will Smith and Joel Edgerton is There's some debate on whether it's Edgerton or Egerton, but -hmm. I think either is fine. Yeah, I think Joel Edgerton pronounce it pronounces it Edgerton, but there yeah, are but some people who really think it's the should responsibility be of the artist to define how his art should be considered. No, that's so. true. I think it's also spelled Edgerton, but again, you know, like it's up to the. And then there's the one guy. There's a guy in Brooklyn who says Egerton, and it's, so it's uh, like, it's open oh, to what could it be? Yeah. So if one right. on the one hand you got this Brooklyn guy, and the other hand you got how it's spelled and how the person whose name it is pronounces it. The consumer is the one who consumes the art, and they're the right. one who. Who defines opens what it, it up is. to interpretation and defines yeah. what it is, yes. Right. So, okay. What are we talking about? The critic. The critic. Me. Yeah. Right. No, we were talking about Irv Hirsch. So yeah, Irv I think Hirsch. Irv, Irv Stupid Irv prank king of the seventh grade. Yeah. Right. Um, he's a little edgier, a little darker than Alan Gray. And he kind of sees through the cracks a little bit, you know? He sees like, hey, this is weird. It's weird we're doing this. Does anyone yeah. else see this? It kind of says, looking around. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah, we do, Irv. Isn't someone else supposed to be the prank king of this grade? But no, no, wait, no, it's me. Oh, what's going on in here? Did anyone else notice that everyone has color names here? That's weird, huh? Yeah. Did you have a Larangus moment? Uh, Yeah. Tell me. Bring me into the world. I had a couple. I want to to tell you two. Okay. We we have allowed for this within this segment. There's what we call a pure Larangus moment, which is the first time you realize it must be sweet. Pure or raw? Okay. It's the one where you're just like, I recognize that this is a peep book at this point, yeah. but this is not my favorite Larangus moment. Right, right. So I'm going to start with my pure one, which is the first one, uh, and then I want to move on to a second one. The first Larangus moment, just fucking classic stuff. It's classic stuff. I, it's like early. It's super early on. I mean, it's always early on when I know it's a peep book, but one of the signs that it's a peep book is that he makes a chapter two interesting. Nobody else does that. Even Anne doesn't do that. I agree. Anderson, I actually um, have been greatest reading... Greatest writer of her generation. Because we've had so many peep books lately, I've been reading a lot more chapter twos. Yeah. I usually skip them. Um, I will admit I skipped it this week. <laughs> um, so, this is going to be new material to me. Okay. We made it, called Stacy's voice from behind us. I turned to see her, Claudia, and Dawn walking across the lobby. Sorry we're so late, Dawn said. Stacy had a crisis. Claudia said. She called me frantically right before we were supposed to leave. I had to perform emergency hair support. I must have slept on it funny, Stacy explained. It was awful, Claudia went on, broken, twisted, and lifeless. I was crying. I didn't think we'd make it. I figured it would be a hat day, but we pulled through. See, said Stacy, fluffing out her hair. Looks the same as always, Christy said. Claudia curtsied. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah you know what i just realized about this moment not only is it fucking hilarious and a wonderful vignette into the lives of these girls that kind of explores all of their different characters in different ways mm-hmm. it is a beautiful parody of all of the larger themes of this book within one tiny vignette there's an emergency they don't know what to do Let the last minute someone jumps in and saves the day it's and like life, a t- and life goes on and life finds a Unchanged. way. Unchanged hair finds a way. Stacy's hair finds right. a way. And like 
But this is fucking beautiful. Pete just wrote this like what? One paragraph? Yeah. It's one paragraph where he's just trying to introduce these characters for people who maybe aren't familiar with the with the group. It's like, oh, Claudia and Stacy are the fashion ones, and Christy's the one who like it always the hair always looks the same. Uh, right. Dawn is in there just kind of She's doing being, her thing. Doing her thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like within that paragraph, it it highlights in a in a parodic way all of the themes of the book about rescue and about emergency and about people saving the fucking day. A beautiful millennials moment on many levels. Thank Funny, you. yeah, interesting, and this extra layer of like right. microcosmic. Yes, microcosmic. Thank you. Speaking of <clears throat> Dawn, we okay. just briefly mentioned Dawn. Yeah, I've got another Lorandris moment, but yes. Oh, you do, right. Yeah. Hit me. Hit okay. me with your second one. And then I want to talk about Dawn because she's off the fucking wall. <laughs> yeah, she's Oh, I want to talk about Dawn. All right. But I want to do the second Lorandris moment. This one involves a role play. So get your role play hat on. Here's a section. I just love this. Um, we went straight to the young men's section. The first thing I saw was a display of gorgeous plaid shirts. This is Marianne and Logan are going shopping for his like garb for military school. It's like his like libertarian militia garb. Yeah, he's not into it. Marianne's not into it for different reasons. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of an intense and sad shopping trip. But we went straight to the young men's section. The first thing I saw was a display of gorgeous plaid shirts. How about Madras? I asked. I'm not supposed to bring a bed to camp, Logan said. Madras, not mattress. It's a kind of plaid design on cotton. I gestured toward the shirts. Nice. Logan sounded about as excited as if I'd discovered a crate full of cauliflower. <laughs> <laughs> here's, so here's what, here's what I want to I wanna kind of tease out uh-huh. here. Is I, just, I loved that metaphor. I guess it's a simile. That... Pete introduced of the cauliflower. Yeah, <laughs> I want to figure out. It's very folksy. I'm about as excited as uh, uh, I'm as excited about this as I am about a crate full of cauliflower. But I want to figure out. I think that you and I can get to the bottom of exactly how exciting that is. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Here's the thing: cauliflower is somewhat pricey at the farmers okay. market, especially this time of year. <clears throat> it's out of season. Okay. If I'm getting a crate full of that stuff, yeah. A little bit of a blessing. Dave, Dave, why is your, uh, why is your voice so high? <laughs> ring, 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 ring. No, we're not. Wait, why are you making r- ringing sounds? Is your phone ringing? We're walking together in the farmer's market. <clears throat> Dave? Uh, uh, <clears throat> hello. Um, oh, gosh. I, sorry, I was, I was not myself there for a moment. I was uh, daydreaming about something. <laughs> we're um, on our way to the farmer's market, right? Yeah, I don't know why you say that. It's, we've talked about it. We're here. In the farmer's market. It's a weird thing to say. I'm Dave, and you're Mark, my roommate. Your roommate and colleague. And fellow mid-40s high-powered executive. Mm. Man, should we reminisce about that trip to Hawaii we just took? Very romantic. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) uh, here we are at the farmer's market. Oh, here we are. Oh, look at the... Oh, is this... These uh, vine tomatoes look good. Vine ripened, you mean? Yeah, they're vine ripened. Yep. Mm. Uh, Should we get some some for the house? Rich loves antioxidants. (laughs) Mm. Um, Um. You know, I know it's not the season for Mm -hmm. it, 
but I would love to pick up some um, broccoli and some cauliflower if I can. I have an idea for a cauliflower, a vegan cauliflower cheese. Oh, that's that pretty great. excited about. Yeah, yeah, you would you could use some nutritional yeast and it's uh, just it's mostly nutritional yeast and ground up cauliflower. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, that cauliflower is pretty versatile. Yeah, no, I've heard uh, uh, it's a much maligned vegetable. But, yeah, oh, people that, think it's gross, uh, but it's pretty neutral. It's pretty neutral flavor when Dave, you grind it into a paste. Kind of stop you, you. Do essentially whatever you want with it. Dave, we've got bad news. What? I just uh, just went past the cauliflower aisle, uh-huh. as you know, because we we're walking together, uh-huh. and there's none left. There's what do you just mean? none. Was there a was there a blight this season? I think it's uh, yeah. Maybe it's just all been taken by other grocery store customers. Well, fuck. Oh, I had Mark? been so much rich? looking forward to that. Are you rich or Mark? I'm Mark. Mark. Well, fuck. Because here's the thing. Uh, I already rich bought it. Gonna... I already bought two dozen tortillas. For quesadillas, Ugh. vegan cauliflower cheese quesadillas. Later, I just bought a whole bag of nutritional yeast. I know it's <laughs> gross. <laughs> Can you, uh, Mark? What is nutritional yeast again? Will you remind me? Because oh uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's yeast, uh, but it's yep. it's actually fairly nutritional. Now um, you and I are in the marketing, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's. Uh, can we? Can we brainstorm and workshop some better names and, yeah. and branding positions for nutritional mm-hmm. yeast? Because when I read nutritional yeast, yeah. that's not something that's, that jumps off the page at me. Um, what about um, uh, nut ba- yeast? Ooh, nut no. yeast is good. Nut yeast. What about um, nut ye? Healthful bacteria. <laughs> How about health back? Health back is good. What about cheesy flakes? Cheesy Flakes is perfect. Vegan Cheesy Flakes. Oh, Mark or Dave? I'm Mark. You're Dave. Dave? Rich? You're Mark. Mark. I'm Mark. Dave? Yeah. I I already picked up a bunch of Cheesy Flakes, and I'm so disappointed. Look, we just got to move on. Let's just go. Let's uh, just go together. Mark, I thought you were vegan. You bought Cheesy Flakes? See, there's (laughs) your problem. (laughs) Cheesy with a Z. Nut Flakes. (laughs) (laughs) Nut Yeast. (laughs) Dave, we got we got to get out of here. I I'm so crushed. I'm so crushed too. If only uh, we could find a crate full of cauliflower. It's just not going to happen. Let's just let's just go to the. Should we trudge slowly? Do you want to do a little Philly? Tanner, <clears throat> Tanner, do a little Philly work. We'll tr- let's trudge to the. Uh, uh, Rich is going to be so disappointed. What's this? Uh, <clears throat> what's this dark and mysterious shed at the corner of the farmer's market here? I've never seen it before. I'm going to go in. Okay. Creak. Slam. Uh, it's pitch black in here. Mark, are you here? Dave, let me Mark? out of here. Dave, let me out. Mark, I can barely hear you. Let me out. Please, just open the door. <laughs> what is this? What is this crate in the center of this large black space? Dave! <laughs> I'm going to turn on my flashlight now. Something I inside of it is glowing. I'm going to turn on my flashlight. <laughs> Dave! <laughs> I'm Mark. <laughs> Mark. There's cauliflower as far as the eye can see. 
What is this space? What is this universe we found ourselves in? We've done it! <laughs> you still have that nut yeast, yeah? <laughs> of course I do! <laughs> let's get eaten. <laughs> and Seaton, Tanner, let's take a fucking oh, break. Oh, man. We've lost Dave and Mark to the, the cauliflower timeline, baby nation. So Pete did a bad job with that. It's super exciting to find a crate full of cauliflower. Um, I want to take a break. I need to pee. Yeah, I need a beer. And you need a beer. Okay. All right. You want to just fucking say goodbye? Bye. So I just really want to quickly capture this in my notes. Uh, We've lost Dave and Mark to the cauliflower universe. Okay. Yeah. No, that's important. And Baby Nation, you may not know this, but we keep very, very um, detailed notes of what's going on with the deep voice men, Mark, yeah. Dave, Rich, Goliath, Hardbody, and yeah. um, Hercules throb muscle. Right. And it it seems like you're probably not going to hear much from Dave and Rich yeah. until we can manage to find a way to, to rescue them, them from the cauliflower universe. Yeah. I know it seems it might seem haphazard, but we actually have a very, very intricate system for keeping track of exactly what's happening with each of those distinct characters. There's actually a pretty robust tabletop role playing game about yeah. the deep deep voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a rule book, a monster manual, everything. Um we can do a whole spin off um that's just the cauliflower universe now, which is great. <laughs> You want to talk about this book a little bit? Yeah, I think you wanted to talk about Dawn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dawn is off the fucking rails. She's off the days. rails. She's cr- crazy. We don't see or hear a lot from her right. anymore because she has been living in California for some time now. But call- California, um, I almost called it California. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> oh. Classic. I've been influenced by the cauliflower universe. That's what it's called in the cauliflower universe, baby nation. Yeah. <laughs> California is a cauliflower universe. Everything is just dumb cauliflower puns. Yeah. Boy, that probably gets old. Um, yeah, oh, well, sorry. Really I'm, I'm sick of California. I guess I need to take a trip to Florida. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> anyway, Don, I think, has been corrupted by California to an irreconcilable degree at this point like she has become so extremely uh extra as the kids would say yeah like this week she was she like condemned a a choking man for eating meat oh yeah (laughs) that's why dawn didn't jump to the rescue she was like he shouldn't have been eating that steak in the first place uh she brings a number of children to a fair and rants at them about the dangers of pancreas poison, which is what she calls cotton candy. Yeah. (laughs) She already Uh, has a thing that she calls cotton candy, and it's pancreas poison. Let's see. What else does she do? I've got some passages. He went through the details again. Dawn listened closely, her brows scrunching together with every painful sentence. Wow, she said after he'd finished. That's bad, Logan. Listen, can I make you some bancha tea? Some, (laughs) Some what? Logan asked. Tea from the bark of a bancha tree, Don explained. It's very soothing. I she feel is- like Anne and Pete are doing like a very specific, like late 90s, <laughs> like world music listening, yoga doing type of person with Don now. I think it's I think it's deeper than that. And it's it's maybe even a dark timeline thing. I think that Don has transcended. 
Oh, you think she's um, attained nirvana? She's attained nirvana. Because she she's is like, into meditation now, too. Dawn has always been seeking that higher truth, right? We know Her and Marianne have a blow-up at the end of the book, and Dawn suggests Marianne try meditation. Yeah, and so she's found that higher truth. And that's that kind of makes sense, right? The California in these books always is a stand-in for paradise, for reaching heaven and right. dawn is somebody who's always been looking for that higher truth and now that she's been away for a while she comes back and this is like a standard figure in a lot of fiction it's like she comes back as the guru as the wise person she's like gandalf Siddhartha. right she's like gandalf yep. the white you and i went two different directions with that. yeah <laughs> surprisingly <laughs> <laughs> two opposite directions. <laughs> but she can't she's crossed the plane into California, right? She's crossed the yeah. plane into paradise, but you can never really come home again. Her role now is as guardian, as soothsayer, but she's no longer an agent. She can't affect the action of the novels, but she can guide these other lesser beings who haven't transcended to the plane that she is at now. Well, in as in so much as they are willing to be led. Right. Which is they they live in this this system that prevents and discourages change. So like they're all pretty resistant to Dawn's what was the tea called? I was going to say Bantha, but that's a Star, Star Wars, Wars thing. Uh, Bancha tree, Bancha tea. <laughs> they're all resistant to her Bancha tea and her meditation and her right. Tibetan monks. All she can do is sit there and sort of she's Obi Wan, except like a preachy Obi Wan who tells Obi-Wan's... people not to poison their pancreases with cotton candy. I feel like Obi-Wan... Obi-Wan will let you do whatever the fuck you want. No, like, he's, a, he's He will like, literally hand you a deadly weapon and be like, I don't know, here's a lightsaber. <laughs> what about... Yours what if now. If you're interested in poisoning yourself a little bit with the temptation of the dark side, Obi-Wan just gets on his fucking high horse right away. No, he away. doesn't. He fucking... He was goddamn Anakin Skywalker's leader. His, That's his not master. canon. That's canon! <laughs> That's in the fucking prequel series, Jack. <laughs> I don't consider it canon. Let's move on. He'll let he'll not just let you flirt with the dark side. He'll let you go like become the worst Sith that's ever. Anyway, Baby Nation, Tanner is a Phantom Menace apologist, and I feel like we've never <laughs> talked about it on the show. Canon films, Jack. <laughs> they count. Tanner and I once, when The Force Awakens came out, yeah. Instead of just going to see The Force Awakens like a normal. Uh-huh. I was going to say couple, but couple of buds. <laughs> <laughs> like a normal couple of buds. When we went to, at, we got up at three in the fucking morning uh-huh. and went to a movie theater in Union Square uh-huh. and watched every single Star Wars movie in a row. Starting, starting with episode with, one. Starting with, chronologically, in terms of the Star Wars universe, not in terms of our universe, starting with Phantom Menace. Yep. And by the time Force Awakens came, I was like, over it. <laughs> you have never seen Phantom Menace unless you've seen it at three in the morning. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's a, like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> that was it's a fun a fucking day. fever dream. That was a fun day. That was day. a fun full day of Star Wars, though. Yeah. We also did it with the Avengers like years ago when the first Avengers movie came out. Yeah. We watched lo- every single Marvel movie. I loved Hitter, that, but like during the break, we were like, all right, let's get back in and we really need to talk more about the book. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Dawn is off the deep end. She's off the fucking deep end. I want to talk about Marianne here. She does a number of interesting things this week in the context of her character. 
she's terrified. They do this emergency preparedness day and she's <laughs> terrified of everything surrounding it. They're like trying to do like CPR on a doll. Right. Maybe, maybe we'll have time to get into that. Probably not. They're trying to do CPR on this doll who is drowned. Maybe we'll have time to get into that. It's a baby. It's a baby doll. It's a baby doll that has drowned, Tanner. Yeah. Got it? I just wanted to put a flag in that. Yep. Yep. And like, that is too much for Marianne. She's in fucking tears. Yeah, she almost faints. Logan won't talk to his parents, and she's like, she doesn't know how to even talk to him about it. She's just like constantly crying. Look, the the plot is resolved when Logan- What? Logan's dad's name is Lyman. Really? Lyman Bruno. That's fucking awesome. I bet you regret naming your kid Cyril now, huh? Damn right, it's not I too am. late. I could have named him Lyman Bruno Shepherd. That's fucking so. Hell. That's such a good, that's fucking powerful name. Powerful name, Lyman. But Marianne. So here's the thing about Marianne. She's afraid. She's yeah. fearful throughout everything in this book. But when push comes to shove. She's the bravest person in the room. She's the one who jumps into the swimming pool to save the drowning baby. Do we even talk about that? A baby fucking drowns. Yeah, one of the Sioux boys. One of the Sioux boys fucking drowns in the pool. Marianne jumps in, all her fucking clothes on, doesn't even give a shit, jumps in, swims to the bottle of the pool, lifts the bottom a boy's of the pool, body lifts him out. above her head. Yeah. Th- hurls him out of the pool. Fucking levitates through the water. Right. Taps into a reserve of like Herculean strength deep within her. And then performs CPR. The ambulance shows up and they're like, get, a- get aside. And she's like, no. Yeah. I must finish this. I can do this. And then fucking CPRs the kid, and he's fucking fine. Yeah, Marianne, the ambulance is like, why didn't you even call us? You know what she reminds me of? This is like, I don't want to make a reference that's too esoteric. No, why would you ever do that? So let's just see if you can fucking follow along with me. Can you just for once, just preemptively, can you for once try to follow along when I make this reference? Yeah. Well, okay. let me guess. It's going to be Odysseus or. Whatever Odysseus was called in James Joyce's version of the Odyssey, or Odysseus is Leopold Bloom in in Ulysses, but or, no, or what? Because uh, Stephen whatever. Dedalus, the character Stephen De- Dedalus plays the Telemachus character. No, here's the reference I wanted to make. You know how He Man's cat, Battle Cat. Yeah, I know is, it. I know it. When He Man is actually Adam, it's Battle just a cat, cat is is Cringer. Just a normal, a weird colored cat. It's the same as Battle Cat. His name is Cringer. Can you just try to fucking follow along with me? But he's littler, then, isn't he? No, he's the same size. He just Wait, doesn't I have he's a shrunk. Jesus Christ, man! Where did you go to fucking college? <laughs> the Battle Cat does not shrink down when he's just Adam. No, he doesn't shrink down. They do like they do this like they do this thing that makes it look like he's shrinking, but he stays the same size. He just doesn't have his battle stuff on. Oh, you're right. Anyway, that's what Marianne is. She like she can't act. She this is like her fatal flaw and also her superpower. Is there a, is there a Marvel villain, Marvel superhero who does this? She can't yeah. act until t- like she's like powerless. Hulk. You know, you yeah. know it. <laughs> yeah. Also green. Also green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. She I can't think that's act unless it, it's like this powerful thing well, about Marianne. It's called adrenaline. It's a powerful thing about all of us. We all have this within us. No, I don't think that, like, here's the thing. Marianne Quay Rescuer, 
Quay savior. Like Dawn is Dawn has transcended, right? She is a savior who ironically can't save because she has transcended who she is and is no longer an agent. She can only act as a guardian and as a guide. Marianne, on the other hand, has it within her to be a rescuer, has it within her to be someone who can save the day, but she can't save the day until she can save herself. Right. No, I buy that. And it's be- it's fucking beautiful. And Anne prepared the way for it with Marianne Saves the Day, which is what, book four? So Cringer's whole thing is that he just can't... He's a coward. When he doesn't have the armor on, he's a coward. It's not about the armor. It's about the fucking power of Grayskull. It's about right, the but, sword. But with the power of Grayskull comes the armor. Yeah, sure, the armor, but that's just a trapping. That's a superficial yeah. trapping. I sw- I'm back on my bullshit. Look at these two toys. Okay, he's showing me two toys... And one, one is a cringer toy and one is a battle cat toy. Small. Much and smaller. I swear to God he shrinks. Okay. Well, I have it deep in my psyche that like cringer when he is and it's it's appropriate to his name when yeah. he's not battle cat, he shrinks. That's metaphorical, dumbass. But he it's shrinks also away. literal. It's both. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just I'm not sure how much we're gonna get accomplished in this <laughs> academic field on this particular episode. The point is not about what Battle Cat or Cringer do. It's about what Marianne does and what she can what she can do and what she can't do. And I think it's fucking beautiful. Tanner, I would like to introduce a segment. One second. Cringer Great. Fursuit. <laughs> Are you ordering one? <laughs> as far as I can tell, they do not exist yet. Mm. But if I have anything to say about that, they will soon. I think this is the least relatable reference that we've had on the show <laughs> since like the four episode Jag when you were it's only like talking both... about the Mist video games. <laughs> it's both. Oh, you want to talk about Mist? No, I don't. I want to introduce a segment. Okay. I don't know how we do it, but um, hey, Tanner, what's in that weird room? <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's just behind this weird door. <laughs> Uh, what is my uh, my playroom? <laughs> like your Xbox and stuff? It's, it's important that you know that you can, know you can play Overwatch at any time in here. Why? What's in there? <laughs> I mean what I said. Creek? Alan Gray will see you now. <laughs> the helicopter's on standby, folks. That's right. It's our hottest news segment. Welcome to my weird room. Welcome to my weird room, Mr. Gray. We'll see you now where we talk about what Alan Gray was up to this week. Alan Gray was fucking killing it this week. Alan Gray, like, revealed some sides of his personality that I was never expecting to to learn about him. Yeah. He likes being insulted. Oh, he loves it. <laughs> Alan you Gray wanna... would love to be invited into your weird room so you can just yeah. hurl insults at him. You, yeah, it's a, it's a reversal of what we expect. Do you want to read that passage? I sure had learned a lot. I'd found that out on Monday night when I had studied for our final exam. And the test had not been easy, but I was pretty confident I'd done well. What did you get for number six, Christy whispered as I gathered up my stuff. You know, the one about the pulmonary artery? I left it blank, Alan Gray volunteered. Like the rest of your head, Christy said. (laughs) Ooh, direct hit right between the eyes, Irv remarked. Alan was smiling as he brought his test to the front desk. Honestly, I think he enjoys being insulted. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> you enjoy being insulted or you think Alan does? Um, a little bit of both, honestly. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that was uh, that was what Alan was up to this week. He's fucking killing it. He's he's being a real cut up in this class that they take for emergency preparedness. Yeah. He later Shelley Golden, uh, who's this larger than life character that Pete and Ann introduced based on Mary Shelley, um, <laughs> author of Frankenstein. Uh huh. I see and, it. Yeah, we don't have time to get into it. <laughs> I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, she says. I'll need a head trauma victim, a heavy bleeder, a broken leg, a fainter, two victims in the car, front and back seats, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> the singing voice of Alan Gray was unmistakable, like fingernails scratching a blackboard. Maybe Alan can be beheaded, Logan said. Alan Orbit. shrugged. Cool. <laughs> oh, you know what? Actually, here's a fucking thing that we learned this week. Talking about the beheading. So this is like they staged this like weird like emergency community event where everybody pretends to be in a massive catastrophe. Everybody pretends to be beheaded. And people do uh, CPR and stuff. Yeah. Did you notice Logan's thing? It's no, related I don't to this. It. A disaster drill, Stacy said. Reminds me of the dentist. Hey, where's your team spirit? Claudia asked. Shelley needs us. Shelley in this book is based on Mary Shelley from the the person who was the author of Frankenstein. Interesting, said Marianne. I wonder if that has anything to it's, do it's with funny. the I themes noticed, of... As you're reading, I notice your eyes sort of like stopped looking at your book and started looking up as though you were <laughs> like improvising. I don't know why you would comment on that. <laughs> I'll right, continue. Shelly needs us. What's the big deal? You lie out on the street, cry out for help. Lovely, Stacy said. Lying in all those germs in the hot sun and ruining my new summer outfit? I'll do just about anything, Logan said. But I refuse to be beheaded. I think this is the secret to Logan. You think he's got a deep phobia of being beheaded? Snake in the grass. Prince oh, of lies. You cut, you cut the head off the snake. <laughs> That's his one fucking weakness, Tanner. He's he's like he's into it. He's like fully infiltrated the babysitters club at this point. And he's like, right. oh yeah, we're just doing one of these games. And then the the idea of beheading comes up, and he's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> ah. not for me, thank you. No, not for Logan. Not for Logan. We'll stay clear of the beheading stuff. Yeah. What I was gonna say is that your Alan Gray will see you now moment? Yeah. Sounds a lot like a... A lot of birds this week. It's it's Lorange's book, so there are a lot of good ones. Oh, I I just want to read you one right off the top. This is good. It's a burn. I like this one because it's a burn on the fucking We Heart Kids Club. Yeah. Who deserve it. Right in the chapter two where Pete likes to put a lot of sick burns just to make sure we're paying attention. Dawn is the BSC's honorary member. She always comes to meetings when she visits. And Claudia always remembers to provide some dawn food. Dong food? <laughs> yeah, it's weird that they said dong food. I don't know what dong food is. It doesn't. Uh, I don't it's food care that's good for your dong. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Claudia always remembers to provide some dong food. (laughs) Luckily for dong, I don't, actually, that doesn't scan. 
Oh, it's Is Dawn. It Dawn. It's, okay, it's Dawn. Dawn. So Claudia has provided Dawn. Dong food for She's got Dawn. Dong food, and then it moves on to talking about the character Dawn. So yep. Claudia yep. always remembers to provide some Dong food. Luckily for Dawn, she's uh-huh. found a group of friends in California who share her beliefs. They formed a babysitting organization called the We Heart Kids Club. Well, that's what most of us call them. Christy usually puts a so-called before the word club. On her nice days, I have heard her refer to them as the We Are Lazy Club, too. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. D- Christy puts a so-called before the word club? Is uh, what you said? Yeah. The We, so heart, the we kids. heart Kids so-called, so-called club. club. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. The We Are Kids we are so-called. so-called club. That's scans. I think For a second so hard- there, I couldn't, I couldn't quite get my head around the... I think that what Pete is grappling with is that if you put so-called before We Heart Kids, it's like too much of a burn on Dawn. The, the so-called We Heart... Because the implication is the, they don't heart kids. They hate kids. Yeah. And I feel like even Christy doesn't want to say that. The We Heart Kids so-called club. The We Heart That's, Kids it's just, it's kind so-called of, It's a little club. weak. There's some confusing well, like phrase structure there. Yeah, that's a little weak. The We Heart Kids so-called club. It doesn't um, quite it doesn't quite work. Hey, if you want to hire us as uh babysitters, just check us out, check out our flyer. Um we we were our name is the We Heart Kids so-called club. <laughs> but then you but back just back to like the thing you're questioning is whether or not they heart kids. We're not actually a club. Let's be honest, we're not actually a club. We do heart kids. We do heart kids, but we're more like a loose but we're not. We're we're a, we're a association. We're a, yeah, we're a we're a company with a flat management structure. What's wrong right. with that? No fuss, no fucking that? must. You know what? Just be great babysitters and don't forget to serve. That's the fucking thing. So there's no so called about it. That's the purest thing you can do. Anyway, Chrissy calls them the We Are Lazy Club. We Are Lazy Club. That's um, funny. Mine is a callback to something I said earlier, where Dawn calls cotton candy pancreas Plas- poison. Pancreas. I was gonna say placenta poison. <laughs> Claudia unhooked Jamie. Also, Don, one of your best friends in the world, Stacy, has diabetes. Like, let's cool it on the fucking pancreas poison talk. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> Super insensitive. <laughs> Claudia unhooked Jamie. He ran straight to the cotton candy. Christy, Logan. Oh, so to set this up, um, they have this mock tragedy, this right. mock emergency. And as part of that, Marianne had to lay in a pool of fake blood and pretend to be dead. Oh, and it terrifies her. She's it, crying the whole fucking It doesn't time. just terrify her. It terrifies Jamie Newton. Yeah. So Claudia is taking care of Jamie, and Jamie does not want to go to this firefighter's fair mm-hmm. because he's afraid that Marianne is dead. Claudia unhooked Jamie. He ran straight to the cotton candy. Christy, Logan, and I, I being Marianne, were standing nearby. We were being scolded by Dawn for eating processed animal entrails and spun pancreas poison. Translation, hot dogs and cotton candy. Hi, Claudia called out. Eee! Lucy squealed happily. Logan punched his fist into the air. <laughs> yes! Someone else for Don to dump on. <laughs> I wasn't dumping, Don retorted. I'm trying to help you. Claudia, may I please have some cotton candy? Jamie called out, running towards us. He stopped short when he saw me. You're not dead. Logan burst out laughing. Not until she eats a little more pancreas poison. (laughs) 
And I guess my burn there is on Marianne for her unhealthy eating habits. And the fact that she's likely to die from cotton candy. She'll probably die someday. Yeah. From adult onset diabetes. Ugh. Ugh. What a fucking tragedy. And a great burn of the week. Don't worry, Marianne. You're going to burn in a fire long before that pancreas poison catches up to you. Oh, wow, Jack. I feel like we've we've really thumped this melon, huh? Um, Yeah, I think that's... You know what's also interesting is that that's a thing that people actually say. And so it's cool. Thump this melon? Yeah, thump this melon. It means like, oh, we really um, read and discussed this book in a constructive and interesting fashion over the course of the last hour. Tanner, thank you for thumping this melon with me. I have enjoyed it. Thank you for thumping this melon with me. This melon with you, Baby Nation. I hope that you have thumped your own melons back in your homes. In the privacy of your own homes. While you're listening to this podcast. Melon thumpers of the world. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode. Please take a moment to review our podcast on iTunes. And share it with a friend. Thank you, Tanner. I'm looking up if Thump This Melon is a real thing or something that I just either made up whole cloth or stole from someone else. Okay. Unclear. <laughs> Baby Nation, Tanner just Googled Thumping the melon, and probably Thumped. not for the first time. It auto-corrected for you because it's like it's like a all those keys on your keyboard are already worn out. It's just, how you just... test if a melon is ripe. <laughs> you thump it. You thump it. So this episode right. is ripe because we've been at it for two. Baby long. Nation, this melon, this melon is ripe. This melon we've is thumped it, ripe. and we've ascertained that it is too ripe. This week, Baby Nation, we read a book that was called Marianne. To the rescue. Next week, we're going to be reading a little book called Abby, the Bad Sport. Abby is good at sports, though. Uh, so I don't understand. Maybe it's a different Abby. Huh. I'm looking forward to that. I feel like Abby books are usually Nola Thacker. Ooh, hell yeah. Yeah, I ain't no Nola Thack girl. Baby Nation, I'm not a Nola Thack girl either, and I don't want to have a Thack attack too early, but I feel, I'm feel i starting to feel a Thack attack coming I'm prepping on. prepping for one. Got so, my adrenaline shot ready to insert yeah. into my sternum to restart my heart <laughs> after I have a Thack attack next week. I'm looking forward, Tanner and Baby Nation, to thumping a melon with you again next week. In the meantime, I have been Jack Alexander Shepard. And I am Tanner Greenring. And have been Tanner Greenring. This week, Baby Nation, please remember to round off the corners in your bedroom, drown all your dolls, call your senator, and demand your right to bear time, and do not, please do not forget to let Daddy love you as much as I do. Claudia is wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. I don't know why she makes the bit. She just is she like making him scream? Who Sarah's making your baby scream? I he's think just she's making baby him nation. Scream. If it's not picking up, he's doing this. Da 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 <laughs> da da. So I, it's like they're having a conversation. Yeah, they're just chatting away. They're probably talking about me. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs> <laughs>